0: Well, hello, fools. This is Rachel Vote. This is a good girl's guide, too. I feel like I'm just actually still working on my hair. I'm not really, but I can't really decide what I want to do with it. So this is Rachel Bell. This is a good girls guy too. This is another episode of the podcast and I'm so grateful that you are here. So if you are new, welcome, welcome. And if you could let me know some way, shape or form how we uh, are connecting, that'd be fantastic. You can drop it in the comments of the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you can drop it right in the comments there as well. Um, I just want to thank whoever get, brought us together, whether it was a literal person or if it happened just to just be the universe. Okay. I don't really care who it was now. Um, If you are new, there is a link tree so you can absolutely find ways to connect with me and get to know who I am. But the shortest version of this, friends, is that I am an entrepreneur. I have been for 10 years. I started in this business in the entrepreneurship of intimacy coaching. And while that was exclusively what I did for the first seven to eight years of my business, I then went off to get certified in I like to say general coaching, but that's basically what it is. Because if you really think about it, everything in your life is connected. So even though I have a very strong suit in talking about intimacy coaching, um, everything in life is connected. So whether you struggle, busting with your wealth, your relationships, your mental and physical well-being, your spirituality, and your purpose and your passion, then I might be somebody that you might want to talk to. So if after we um, have this phenomenal podcast, and uh, if you don't know me and OCD and hair stuff, okay, so now I'm going to commit to not touching it the rest of the session that's a promise, okay, I mean, like, I might put it back behind my ears, but I'm not gonna say nothing about my hair the rest of the session, okay, thank you, dad, for making me feel insecure about my hair, all right, so anyway, (sighs) back to what we were talking about, right, and not even remember. But connecting with me, right? Linktree. So whether you want to do one-to-one sessions, empowerment class, if you want to, uh, still connect with me in a free way. I have an amazing group, 18 years or older, Feminine Energy, over on Meta, if you call it that. It's Facebook, right? Uh, I know it's kind of ancient, friends. I'm looking for an alternative option for us to have a resource to a community. But so far, that's all I got figured out as a millennial. But you're welcome to be a part of it. We continue the conversation with things like this. Free access to content and information um, and lots of lots of really fun stuff. So today today's podcast is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. There's no animosity around it. Nobody's told me I can't. It just really, I just haven't had the opportunity to sit down and actually film this episode. So um, I'm excited because what I want to talk about today is being a parent. And oh my gosh, it is May when I'm filming this. I don't know when it'll go up. But my allergies have been kicking my ever loving ass. I should not even put makeup on. So if I look okay to start with, but by the end I have no makeup left, That's cool. It's just kind of like the opposite of get ready with me, which is take it off with me, my face, just my face and makeup, okay? So actually, um, before we start the subject, I know I just put the gloss on and as as soon as I started rubbing on my lips, I'm like, you forgot biatch. Okay, so in my uh, Facebook group, this is the group that I feel like I can still be the most transparent in. I'm trying to make a shift into TikTok and hoping that, um, I I know that the energy is very similar if not the same, so I know that I could build community there, but I've just been doing it on Facebook for so much longer that I'm more comfortable, and so I'm hoping to transition into to TikTok to being able to be like like doing this like this conversational style kind of thing. Um, but we're not, we're just not there yet. We're just not there yet. And why did I scroll myself into? talking about oh yeah i remembered okay because in my facebook group it's more interactive it's more personal there's actual relationships being built right i'm like i'm not just trying to create a group where i can sell you a bunch of products and services and stuff like that it's about literally tapping into your authentic self so some free resources and some safe spaces for you to be able to do that and so in the facebook group i often do polls Um, we often like organize like our in-person events over there. And the last time we did an in-person event, I also voted for the, uh, my clients to tell me like, how do you want to interact next time? Like, what is it that you want to do? And I did a pool party. I did a book club. Um, I, I said like, name your own. And then I said cannabis and connections. I don't even know what that looked like, but I just had some curiosity around cannabis. And so I thought I'd throw it out there and I was shocked. Well, I wasn't shocked that pool party was number one. Okay. But for those of us that aren't local and can't connect with me in that way, I was pretty shocked to find out that, Cannabis and Connections was the next vote. And that was an online vote as well. And that was the number one thing that people voted for when I put it on an online poll. And so it was funny because I was really excited about it, but I'm also like, well, what does it even look like? Like I'm, I'm online. So, and even if you comment, even if you like are watching a live, we're not often interacting with each other directly. So it's like, is it just me sitting there ingesting cannabis and then like hoping for the best i didn't even know what it looked like so i've done two lives um in my facebook group specifically not on tiktok um where i did do a couple of sessions where i took a couple of hits and just kind of see where it went and so I'm going to do that today because what I have to talk about, it's not controversial, but I just, what I have found with the cannabis is that it allows for me to step into my authenticity a little bit more. It allows for me to strip off the anxiety about what happens if you say something people don't like, what happens if you uh, go in a direction that people are like, I could never coach with that bitch, she's fucking crazy. Um, It allows for me to shed all of that and not only confidently say what it is that I feel like I wanted to say initially, but it allows for me to say it in a way that I'm not worried about offending people. That's never my intention anyway. So if I operate authentically, I shouldn't offend anybody. But um, I'm working on my people-pleasing. I'm working on The chronic fear I have of not being accepted and just doing what I want to do. And I'm not saying that because the controversial side of cannabis, because this product that I have here is actually something that I purchased legally here in Nebraska. We don't have THC here, but we do have tons of alternative options. So I'm not even doing anything illegal. I just understand that there's a precedent for a lot of people who might think now she's not as legit as she was. Well, I got a news for you, boo boo. If you've been following me for any length of time, the entire time I've been a coach publicly, I have had cannabis in my life. So before my daughter came into Marvel world, it was roughly a year or two before her when I traveled to Colorado recreationally and then found out that cannabis was actually a huge tool for me. So if you have cannabis and you, I mean, whatever form, if you smoke it, if you ingest it um, through flour, if you have um, these little things that Rachel has, whatever your method is, join in with me if you don't mind Oh my God. I should have looked at the timer because that was a solid seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seconds. I don't even know. Okay. Um, that's the only thing I just like about it was like, if you were listening to this and not watching it, hopefully that was a little ASMR for you, but, um, okay. So here we go. <coughs> that's normal for me. Very normal for me after all these years, I'm a wiener. Okay. So In addition to that my music just started playing in my earbud so if you heard a little bit of um ed money take me home tonight take me home tonight then you enjoyed that right so <clears throat> and if you did take an edible by the way why don't you just go ahead and place press pause on this bad boy and i'll see you in about 50 to 60 minutes okay so um i get a little silly but i definitely loosen up as this can kind of kind of hit me i'm gonna take another hit in a couple of minutes so i just want to forewarn you okay the topic i want to talk about today is having kids And um, like I said, it's not controversial and I'm not shaming anybody who has children. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of who has not had children not to have children. But I I do want to present some arguments for you if you are somebody who's on the fence. Like, I don't know if I want kids. Um, I don't know if kids are right for me. If you're like at this age range where you're feeling a lot of pressure to make this decision, then please just like sit back, relax, and listen what I have to say. Because by the end of this conversation, what I really want it to be for you is just having relief over whatever decision you decide to make. And most importantly, to give you time. Because I know that there feels like a lot of pressure in terms of making these decisions, but there really isn't, okay? Okay and this is it's not difficult for me to say this but i i worry a little bit about the amount of people who will hear the message because i'm just one mother i'm just one mother with a blended family and three children but i really do feel like a lot of what i've gone through in parenting has such a unique view to helping people make this decision because I've really kind of run the gamut on parenting. So let me give you the, like the shortest instance of it and I'll probably refer back to my parenting experience as well as necessary. So uh I I have had three pregnancies. I've had two come to term and then I have a bonus son. And so motherhood for me started at 21 years and that is when I had Cole. Cole um, was not a surprise, but was also not a fully planned pregnancy. And a lot of us, I think, can probably relate to that. And while, especially through personal development, who I've become today, Cole is the best thing that ever happened to me. If anything, Cole was probably one of the very first seeds of uh, personal development planted for me years before I would even know that I'd go through it. Uh, he, he's a gift. He's, a, he's the largest, most clichély, one of the largest gifts I've ever, ever received. And not in a sense of a mother having a child for somebody having somebody present in their life to provide them life lessons they never had before. So um, here's the thing. It's not a blanket decision that you can say yes or no when you're having children. But one of the very first things that you're... One, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't even tell you about my my mothering, right? Okay. So like I said, 21 years old is when Cole, Cole arrived. And um, I was practically a single mom for the first... I mean, in the first five years of his life, I would say half of his life, I was a single mom off and on. There was never really a long, consistent point that Brent and I were together or Brent and I parented. Um, Brent was in other relationships sometimes when Cole, um, Cole, Brent was in other relationships sometimes. I was never in another relationship fully. And that's not wrong, just, again, experience. Cole's been in a blended household pretty much from the start, okay? And so then um, I was practically um, a... a, st- a reset your mouth the cannabis got you a little bit Rachel you're talking too much uh talking too fast and not letting it come out right so when I was a single mom Cole was never alone I always had a cousin and a best friend at least who were helping me and oddly it was more than one cousin at one more than one time but um we were never alone so we kind of created our own family when we were young at that point Brett and I officially broke up when Cole would have been about five years old and um uh, my husband and I met each other soon after so when my husband and I got together, he had a bonus son that was only a year older than Cole. So then I had two boys in my life and I was a terrible fucking stepmom. Um, we can talk about that in a <sighs> podcast. We actually might need to talk a little bit about today because it's also in the consideration of having kids because it's not necessarily that we're having children biologically, right? So um, I was a terrible stepmom, terrible, terrible person, terrible stepmom, terrible like textbook. Never beat this kid, Never like never laid my hands on him, but... Terrible stepmom. And um, then Olivia came along. She will be five in June. So we've had our third for the better part of five years. We've been a full family of five for about five years. And um, Anthony, my husband and I, Tony just spent, I'm sorry, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary together. So if that kind of tells you in terms of time, I've been a mother for 14 years. I've been with my husband for 10 of those years. And then um, my final piece to the puzzle of our family came along about four and a half, five years ago now. Okay. So the in addition to the just the span of being a mother for fourteen years, and you can add in the fact that I've been an aunt for longer than that. I've had many, many children in my life. Right. Um, the interesting thing about my journey is that I avidly stated at age sixteen, I was pretty sure I didn't want to have kids. Pretty sure that I didn't want to have kids. And if you're somebody who struggle buses with this, like give yourself the permission to just say no first. Like be okay with sitting in that I'm not having kids decision because I think that will really help you to to decide if you do or do not because I think what happens is that most women especially we don't give ourselves permission to even fathom not having kids that it's 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 something that we couldn't even touch with a 10-foot pole for me I I just was like I don't I couldn't even really tell you what what at the time I don't even think that it was that I aha uh-huh, it's coming to me it's coming to me so I think it's another cannabis break for a little bit of clarity this, oh, I'm not, I'm gonna time it now ready Yeah, it's approximately 9 or 10 seconds, so sorry for the awkward pause. Okay, so the aha moment that I'm having right now, and I, I do believe that I was kind of keen to this at the time. To- well, not the time, maybe a little bit at the time, but is that I don't think in that moment that I was deciding not to have kids. What I think that I was figuring out in that moment was that having kids was the only thing that was ever told to me as a part of being a woman's identity. Like, I think I was realizing that, do I have to have kids? Like, is this expected of me to have kids? I think that that was the greater picture that I was questioning, was that, is it mandatory for my womanhood to have children? Because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life at that time. I I always knew that I was going to be married, and oddly, subconsciously, in that view, marriage meant children. Like, I'd never even fathomed being married without kids. Everybody I knew that was married had children. I didn't know anybody that was childless really honestly like as an adult happy successful adult I didn't have any models of that really so um that's what I was questioning and I was already dating Brent at the time that's Cole's father I was dating Brent at the time when I started having these realizations and I remember him telling me like he knows that I would say this and I remember him saying to me at least at one point when I had that revelation was that oh you'll want to have kids and I heard that more than once I heard that more than once when this was not even like a conversation that I was like advertising that I was I was making this decision about. But at 16 years old, I know that more than one person said, oh, you'll change your mind. Why? Or who said so? And what I find in my adult life is people who say that to other people aren't necessarily speaking the truth that you'll change your mind what might happen is you might end up with a kid and now you can't change your mind And um, I also believe that there's a lot of truth to this. If you've heard that misery loves company, that's very true. But there's a lot of truth to um, parents who who regret having children, parents who are regretting parenthood, parents who are regretting having so many children, parents who are regretting not ever realizing how much um, having children would change your lives. Any of these things or all of these things, I think that misery loves company. So they're going to try to sneak you in to being a parent as well. Because not only will you have unfulfilled dreams not be met just as much as we all have who have children. There's things that had to go on the back burner to, to successfully raise our children. Um, we want you to be just as mad and um, unfulfilled as us. And it's a subconscious mad because you can't really be mad that you have kids. You love your kids. Most of us love our kids. Mo- most of us don't regret our decision, but it doesn't change that we're mourning parts of our lives that we always dreamed would be there, okay? So um, that's what I think is more true of the statement, you'll change your mind. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, by the way. Like, I don't think they're wishing ill will onto you. I just think that this is what society does, okay? So, um, a lot of people will tell me that. Like, you'll change your mind. And so, um, I did a whole podcast with my dear friend, Kaylee Thomas. Go back and watch it. It's a two-parter. It's a tearjerker. She caught a lot of fucking shit for that podcast, by the way. Like... Her and I did that podcast and then a few months later uh, we got together for a Girls Weekend and we reminisced about that. And out of all of the people that I've ever done a podcast with, she is the person who has gotten the most personal feedback. Usually people come to me about a podcast and tell me like, and they did about that one as well. But I just want to give a massive shout out to my dear friend Kaylee because she took a lot of shit for telling her story and that's not very fair. It's not very fair because it is her perspective. It's literally her narrative. It's literally how she viewed and experienced that life. And nobody can take that from her. If you were upset with her because of how she is interpreting her life, that's a you problem. I will tell you that to your face. Like if you are mad at me for what I said during that podcast or you think that I'm wrong, come at me. Because you are just as entitled to how you feel that that experience went. And you are allowed to tell your story. And what I really think is important is that if you go back and listen to that podcast, you won't hear a lot of blaming on Kaylee's part. I don't even know that I can really recognize that that happened. I heard a lot of acceptance of responsibility. I heard a lot of realization of her programming and what led her to the actions that she took. And also a lot of recognition that everybody who taught her what they taught her was doing the exact same thing that she recognized, that they were doing the best they could with what they had. All right, that's so important. Because... Uh, go watch that podcast. It was a good one. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because I talked about on that podcast, how well, um, as I had said, a Cole might not have been planned. Cole was wanted. I wanted Cole. I wanted Cole very, very much, very much. Um, so Cole comes along, uh, Cole comes along and he's a beautiful little baby and things are really good for a little bit with him as well. Um, but knowing what I know now, one of the considerations that you're going to want to make about whether or not you want to have children is an age range first. Not first. I don't think this is any matter of priority, to be honest. Like, I think you can tackle this at any angle. But if, if I had my way, no, that's not really true. If I if I asked for you to do uh, one thing in consideration, one of the things to, to consider would be the age range that you would contemplate Making the decision to have the child, number one, and then number two, when it would be. Because the first one is important that you don't have to think about having kids when you're a kid. You shouldn't have to think about whether or not you're going to decide to have children at 16, 17, even 18. You shouldn't have to fathom that. Like, women are so programmed, like I thought I was gonna be married by the time I was like 20 years old. Like I thought that was normal because my mom had been, my aunt had been, well, my aunt had not been married, but she had had babies at a young age. And so like I was making this correlation that I was gonna be married. and that also would equate to my happiness, by the way, that's what I thought. Um, and I can also say in retrospect that that was that was my programming for um, not feeling wanted. That was my emotional neglect from my dad was because I, I thought that if I could get married, somebody would then complete my happiness. And that's what I was looking for was somebody to save me from my misery and my incompleteness and my unworthiness, right? So when Cole came along, um, I can tell you that at the time I had no idea that I had had a, a child for the wrong intention or the wrong reason. I don't, know, I, I don't know how I want to tread lightly on that because I don't I don't want it to be perceived, again, that I view my son in a negative way. Um, addition to my life in any way, shape, or form, I don't. This is, in full res- this is full responsibility for my own thoughts, behaviors, and actions, which, again, were only driven by what I knew. And being a very young, immature 21-year-old woman, I, I believe that I was very book smart, and I think that I presented very intelligently savvy. Uh, but emotionally, I was immature and broken. And I, I think that I was left at, in some areas of my emotions, I was only four. Four years old. And at other ages, I mean, I couldn't even tell you. Maybe 8, 9, t- 10, 12. These are just instances I can remember feeling broken emotionally by my dad. And not just my dad. My dad didn't fully contribute to this, of course. But these are the most prominent because he's his attention was the one that I craved the most. So four. Four. I'm operating from a four-year-old. So what does a four-year-old do when they, they demand attention? They throw tantrums. If they don't have the vocality to be able to express what it is they need from you, they throw tantrums. They change their energy. They change their emotion. So you'll pay attention to me. Now, while I wasn't out like literally throwing tantrums, I was creating drama. I was absolutely creating drama. So much drama for myself, for my relationships. I was stirring it up. I was making making it happen in my world. Again, because this was a model of marriage that I had growing up, my parents absolutely had drama. They fought all the time. They always had discord. They never got along. That's not true. Sure that my parents were the equivalent of the black and white version where they were very passionate but not like affectionate. Passionate is different than affectionate, right? They were very passionate for one another, uh, but they didn't have a lot in common. They, they didn't seem to like each other, I guess is how I would describe that. So that was normal for me in my relationship with Brent. Uh, I just thought you were supposed to do that. And, and with all due respect, I, I don't think Brent will ever listen to this, and the, that's totally fine. But uh, I, I need him to know, and I need the audience to know as you're listening to this too, that that was not personal to Brent, Brown was a phenomenal partner. He always was in all 12 years that we were together. He was always supportive of me. He was always loyal to me unless I drove him away. And then he might have acted funny, but that was, I, I'm not gonna say it was well-deserved, but it's no fault of his. I mean, half the time he didn't know if we were together. Um, but it wasn't personal. It, it was, I had a need he could not fulfill. And that need needed to be by me. That need needed to be to understand that I was fully worthy of love, unconditional love, an unwavering love. And I did not have that growing up. And so I, I didn't even know how to replicate. It. I didn't know how to generate it. I didn't know how to manifest it. So I was out doing what I saw at home, as well as from movies, music, television, and books. And I read a lot of romance books because it's that's what my mom had. Um, I read a lot of Cosmopolitan because that's what my mom had. I read a lot of Goosebumps books, which doesn't really translate very much romantically. But um how about television like I don't know about you but I watched a lot of tv growing up and when I transitioned into the pre-teenhood even like TGI Fridays uh TGIF I mean I guess if you ever watched that like segment that was for preteens, um things like Clarissa Explains It All or older generations would have watched Snick on Nickelodeon or um Kenan and Kel uh, which is more of a sketch comedy too I was thinking of like What was that one? Uh, Sabrina. That's what it was. That was the girl from Clarissa went to Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. And those, even those television shows where they might not have been as high drama as say like Grey's Anatomy, they were the stepping stool into Grey's Anatomy for drama for preteen. So, you know, you fought about um, that you thought your boyfriend was trying to call somebody else or you fought about the fact that you weren't going to make it to prom or these insignificant things in, not, not to say that those experiences don't matter in life, but turning these into chaos or finding a way to make drama be surrounded by some of the most important memories of your life. That's what I was taught because those were the scripts I was watching about relationships, because nobody was intentionally sitting me down and saying, listen, relationships are great. They feel amazing. They're so important for your longevity and for community. Uh, what's really important is understanding how you like to be loved. What is it? What is it that you feel like are your needs? How do your needs get met? And this is not appropriate language, of course, for a three, four or five year old, because they're not going to digest or understand it, but you can equate it to like, what do I do with Olivia when we're having big feelings? Like, what does my daughter say to me? I'm feeling frustrated. I can see you're feeling frustrated. Why are you feeling frustrated, right? Because if I can give her the name to the emotion, she can then tell me. And then I can dissect with her why she's feeling that way. What would have happened to me when I was angry in a young child? Don't talk to me like that. Who do you think you are? Go sit in a corner any of those things might have resonated. But I didn't even get that far because I was so fearful of getting into trouble, which would have meant that I was not loved, that I didn't even go that far. I was always well-behaved, almost always well-behaved. And if I was doing nasty things, (laughs) I shouldn't go that far. But if I was doing things I wasn't supposed to, then I was being so secretive about it. And I had a plan and a backup plan that I wasn't going to get caught or I had a reason for a reason because I was going to talk my way out of getting in trouble because getting in trouble was fear of not being loved. So um, all of this conversation that I'm having with you is important to know that like I had no understanding of this until the last couple of years. And so unfortunately for my kid, my kid was... Definitely affected, but he was then a byproduct of what Brent and I didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. So all of these things. And did I want drama in my relationships? No, honestly, I didn't. Like, I struggled with why didn't I get along with my partners? Why didn't I have passionate love with my partners? Like, those were hangups that I was struggle-busting with all the time. Like, I always felt like there had to be more. And I also, again, in retrospect, there was a lot of things that I did the, it's hard to say that they were conscious or subconscious. I feel like there was a mix of both. But I did so many things to keep the upper hand in my relationship, and not necessarily about control, but about safety of independence. I uh, my my name was on the house, my name was on the car, like, and it was not joint. It was not joint because it was going to need to be an easy, clean breakaway. And I, I even knew getting not getting engaged, but like going through the wedding planning process with Brent, I knew that we were not going to be together. I shouldn't say I knew we'd be together forever, but I could. I knew that divorce was always an option. I knew it was on the table. And um, I don't see that with Tony. And again, that's not personable to Brent. Like that could have been anybody in Brent's place. And I know that may even sound worse. But again, that was just my exit plan that I needed to have. Because even after watching that dysfunction in my family of two married parents for so long, they stayed together until all the kids were out of the house. Cole was already born. I, I think Cole was two or three when my dad like came to tell me that he was leaving my mom. So even after all that dysfunction, I knew, I had saw that there was the opportunity for a way out later down the road. So that's important. And the reason I'm telling you all of this portion, right, is because one of the things in retrospect that I know I should have had, and I wish I would have had for Cole was just personal development awareness at the time. Because what I said, I, I didn't know any better. I didn't know I could choose different for him. I didn't know that... I could make life more fulfilling for him or loving or content or safe, mostly safe. I feel like I didn't really foster an environment that allowed for him to grow within his confidence. Um, and because I was so insecure with myself that I didn't give him the opportunities he needed. Like, I mean, there's a lot of different things. It doesn't really matter. I, I, I can sit in retrospect and understand these now. Uh, but... <sighs> If that's the first thing, right, is like coming again to the realization and understanding of the programming, because why do I want to have kids? Was I told to have kids? Is it because society conditions that just because I have the ability to reproduce that I need to? Uh, do I want to have children because I had such a poor childhood that I I need to give myself the opportunity to redo everything? Um, as Kaylee very, very boldly talks about, that she knew that she needed to have a child because she needed something that would love her unconditionally and that she could love unconditionally because she had not had that. I feel like that's so brave to be able to admit. And most importantly, um, because being in in righteous and radical acceptance of that allows for you to be fully present that you're not doing it anymore. Or at least working towards steps that you can love your children healthfully. You know what I mean? So um, getting clear on what the intention of having children is, is, is so important because you might find that as much as you've been conditioned to believe that children will fulfill your life, you might not need that. I fully believe that. I, I I, don't have to coach a lot of women yet on this, but it is not uncommon for women between the ages of like 22 to 35 to feel the pressures of, of procreation. Uh, I I also just need to say this, like as an intimacy coach, I, like, I don't have a medical degree. I know that you know that, but I do believe, I believe that we probably struggle with fertility Um more than we used to but i think that's environmental i think that there's too much stuff that doesn't need to be in our diet that is i think there's way too much stress i think that there's not enough education and empowerment around building intimacy and long-term connections and understanding the mind body soul in terms of women needing pleasure and how imperative i believe that is in the reproductive cycle and all of these things that they're so interconnected um and (sighs) squirreling myself about wherever we were all right so let me try to see if i can bring myself back to this but this is exactly what the empowerment class is all about is like breaking down a system to understand first what it is that you think about everything. Getting clear about what you were told to believe, some for the good, some for the bad, some for neutral, um some for your benefit, some for your oppression but getting very clear about that. And what that first section of the class is really great about shedding light on is that a lot of us, like what uh, one of my favorite things is that when we have people in the class from different states, because while I might not be able to get like a global class yet, actually, I know somebody in Australia. She should probably take it if we align the time. Mental note to self about that one. Cursed I'm thinking about you, boo-boo. Anyhow, um, this last class, we actually had somebody, we had many women from Nebraska. We had women from Missouri. We had women from Iowa. We had women from North Carolina. Uh, I don't I I don't know. It doesn't matter. But that's one of my favorite things is that when we can be from different places regionally, we can start to see a lot of the things that might be different. And Like this would be an easy one to be like North versus South. Like there's a lot of Southern things that people believe, especially about, um, segregation and we know that that divide has been there and it's more prevalent in the south than it is in the north okay so we see the divide between where you live and how that affects you but one of the things that was also really powerful about the class is having women from again five different states is the overlap of even having those distinct differences how much is similar in terms of who you've been told to be even though you live in a completely different area it's really powerful so that's what the first portion of that class is and the second portion of the class is like starting to get very clear with okay so now i see what it is that I think? Is this what I think? Or are these more in alignment with, again, parents, teachers, pastors, government, celebrities, um, movies, books, television, all the things that you were exposed to growing up? Are these my ideas? Or or are the only default ones that I did not know there was opportunities for other thinking available? This is a huge... Okay, so this, this area, actually. Okay, so uh, squirrel moment, perfect timing, though. So I had a really great coaching with somebody yesterday where it was like she was telling me that something she appreciated from the empowerment class was the ideal day exercise that I asked people to do. And um, this is a detailed exercise that I challenge people to do because you're often programmed into thinking about the lack and so the ideal day exercise getting gets you to focusing on details for abundance and she's like I can't even get that far and I was like that's okay you you can work towards that of course it's just an exercise it's just the modality of kind of stretching your wings in that regard but um uh, squirrel and I had tangent myself out of that one twice did I not empowerment class details I don't know I don't know. Okay. So let's go back to dissecting um, your worldview basically. Right. So when you can do that, like this, this might be an easy example to think about, like um, having the big fat bank account, right? Big fat bank account often means the big fat house and the big fat fancy car and the big fat anything. Right. But if that's not important to you, having just a sufficient house to live and not necessarily needing a bigger house than necessary, I said that twice, right? Uh, that, that's sometimes still hard for people. It's hard to dissect because most people's ide- ideology is to keep up with the Joneses. The more things I have, it means the more successful I am. It means I'm also happier. And if you don't have those things, then that equates to not being happy, not being successful, which means they're not being successful societally and all these things. If Even if, for the, for the most part, if that's like what you want to believe is that I can have less. I can have enough. I don't need more. We usually have to dissect from that that's okay. And it doesn't mean that I mean less in this world and that I can exist just as much as those other people. And the the toughness about that is that is you dissect from that. You just have to be in route with acceptance that that's okay because for the most part, everybody else will still be thinking what they're thinking and you can't ask them to not think that. You can't ask them to change to your belief system because it makes you feel more validated in your decision. You just have to be okay with the fact that they might... Feel a certain way about you if you make that decision because not only is it not in the generalized acceptance of what is successful, it's also goes against the grain of how they also might feel. They might be tired of the the grind. They might be tired of working three jobs just to keep up. They might be tired of like fake it till you make it and the fact that now they have no time energy for anything in their life because they're fully contributing to this outside idea of I have to do this to feel like I'm successful without even tapping into the fact that they just said what it is. Do you even feel happy? Do you feel successful or do you just feel like you're keeping up appearances? Okay. So um, dissecting from that worldview, all right, that's what we do in the class, right? We then understand if does this say is this who I say I want to be and then working towards some tangible things that help for you to really shape that and knowing that it doesn't change tomorrow and you got to give yourself grace and it's gonna be time it's gonna be patience it's gonna be stripping things away because you won't figure it out tomorrow but that is what's beautiful about this discovery is literally discovering you a lot of us never get this opportunity but we need to because it's not wrong uh, it's not wrong to be different it's not wrong to have different views but a lot of us think that it is because they think that it's gonna separate us in general, but separate us from all of the things that we've ever known, that's very hard to do because you have to convince yourself that it's okay to let go of the identity of who you thought you were supposed to be. And they have to, too. But a lot of the time, you might be in radical acceptance of that faster, especially because it's going to feel good. It's going to feel good to move towards the things that you really believe. It's going to feel good to act out in ways that are healthy and consenting, of course, but really bring out your true authentic nature and who you are. And then you operate from a frequency that just drives people wild, whether they're attracted to it and they want some of it, or they're offended by it because they don't know how to get it. That's usually subconscious. But anyway, okay, so you dissect from the idea do I want kids? Okay. Is it not that kids are going to be fulfilling for me because I've been told that that's what's going to happen? What is my ideology? Why is, what is my intention behind having these children? Okay. So when you can kind of get there, which is what your twenties is all about, because you finally get away often. This is your first experience of getting away from everything you've ever known. That's why it's really important. And usually life changing for people who move away to college, because now you're away from your safety net, but you're also away from everything you've ever been told. And the further you move away, The more radical that idea is going to be like you already know that there's a whole energy of west coast versus east coast we just said north and south right so you know that and if you if you were to take either of those categories north east south or west and then put them into the midwest (laughs) welcome to a completely different world as well we're weird here i feel like even though midwesterners do have a complete their complete own identity it's almost as if we don't have an identity and that's our identity besides corn okay um so that would be in my opinion if like if we were given the right cue so like this is the conversation like the reason we're having this today i gotta adjust my my seat a little bit okay uh if we were having this like if we were having these revelatory conversations today then we would be able to have these conversations with our children you best believe that if i'm i'm, I'm here coaching about this and i'm having these ideas for myself that these are absolutely things i'm talking to my kids about at age appropriate levels uh for sure because I'm I'm gonna try to make sure that they don't have to go through ah, oh, I finally came back to me that squirrel moment. I'm gonna make sure my best, I'm gonna do my very best that they don't have to go through what I went through to figure out who what I did. That's what I mean. that's that's where I came from is the girl who was like, you didn't you did this detailed thing. I can't do that. I can't get there, okay? Um, here's why. This is what I told her. Is that this is what happens And I, this is why I think like sometimes when people will gravitate towards coaching. No, actually that that point that point's not valid. It doesn't matter. Let's go back to what we we're talking about, right? Is that there's really two there's two ways to go through personal development. There is the choice. There's the choice choose to better yourself. Choose to get into the arena as Brene Brown refers to Teddy Roosevelt's experience. I'm sorry, analogy of like, if you are in the arena, that's where you're meant to be. And you do not take advice from people in the stands because they're not active in the game. So when you make the choice to grow, it's not fun. Like that is a misconception that growing and being a better person is fun because you have to go through the deconstruction period. You have to go from shedding all of that shit that I said and choosing yourself and choosing your belief system and then cultivating that belief system. So it is work. It is the longest journey you'll ever go on because it's never ending. It's never ending because you're always going to be changing. You always have different experiences, different exposures, different seasons of life. And you have to be open to that and being okay with it as well. Okay. So that is one way is to actively choose. Now, why would we do that? Why would we choose to go into unknown? Why would we choose to center ourselves in a space that we have to choose self over pride? Why would we, you know, any of that? Why would we do that? We Most often we won't. So the second option of personal development and massive growth is crisis. And it's often societally shown to us in a midlife crisis. Midlife crises aren't what people think they're. They manifest through buying the sports car and cheating on your wife and leaving the job because what? Those tick all the boxes of going against the grain. You buy the sports car because you make the not-so-sound investment. It goes against the grain of everything financially somebody would tell you to do. Uh, It's impractical, it's, you know, it, it devalues itself the minute you take it off the lot. Like, all of these things. You cheat on your wife because maybe you were never happy to begin with. Maybe she was never happy to begin with. Maybe you never wanted to get married. Maybe you're having sex with somebody of the opposite gender all of a sudden. Maybe the, you think that this person is bringing fulfillment to your life because it's new and it's exciting. You know, you people cheat for myriads of different reasons. Often not the reason that we think that they're cheating or even they might they might not even know. But it's going against the grain of being a matrimonial um, monogamous wedlock person, right? So it's going against the grain. Well, I don't even remember what the third example it was that I gave, but midlife crisis is. All it is, is that all of those years, that three, typically four or five, six decades that you've been in existence, you've been going with what you were told to be. You showed up the way you were told to be and you're sick and tired of it. You're sick and tired of it subconsciously. And so now you're just going to do things out of rebellion. And um, like like I said, against the grain, that's a midlife crisis is what it really is. And if people um, had the opportunity to move into personal development, which some do like you just, this is the cliche version of the midlife crisis. But I think that, quietly a lot of people will choose the route of personal development but for me mine was what the quarter life crisis right it was a quarter life crisis and that is what it really threw me off my rocker a lot of you knew that it happened shortly after olivia was here so i actually was nervous that it was postpartum didn't feel like postpartum but then again i'm i'm assuming most people don't feel like they're in postpartum sometimes right but it wasn't postpartum relief huge relief of course right um but to like, kind. I mean, I self-diagnosed it as a quarter-life crisis with who else is going to, do, do doctors even do that for people? I don't know. But that's exactly what I would say that it was, is that it was like this a marvelous phrase that I've heard recently, which is the earth, universe, God, insert your powerful source here, will shaken you to awaken you. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I just, I, I feel like I poignantly described this to somebody today very humbly. The universe just tells me, you know, I'm just, I'm just the vessel that comes out my mouth. Um, personal development is tricky because the, one of the massive turnaround points for a lot of people is the level of isolation that you'll go through because you feel like something's wrong with you and it's nothing's wrong with you. It's that you're literally, literally shedding an identity that who you have been all of your life. And it's scary because it's like you shatter into a million pieces when you do. And then you put the pieces back together individually to create the person that you know you're meant to be. And you're just discovering it piece by piece. And it's painstaking. You can cut your hands on the glass because it's broken. But you bandage yourself up and you put it back together because it will be the most beautiful masterpiece you ever create. It's you. That's amazing. You can't go through that process easily or affordably with children and it's not to say that you can't cuz look at I I did it. I look at I. Look at me. I did it. But you should have the This is making me a little emotional in my chest. And not just because like I feel like I missed the opportunity because here I am, but I like I just had a flash of my mom. My mom never got the opportunity to spend time on her. She never got the time to heal. Um, It's not to say that she never could, but, you know, she was born in 59. And so I think I determined she turned 63 this year, I think. She'll be 63 in a month. I'm pretty sure I did the math right the other day. But I'm hopeful, but I, I shouldn't, I don't even know how to describe it. Do I wish? Yes. Am I hopeful? No. She never had that opportunity. And it, it affected her so heavily that she lost everything. She lost her marriage, which is debatable whether or not that was good or bad. She has lost all three children that she bore, she gave life to. She's lost all three of us at some point or another, in some degree or another, at some severity or another, at more than once for some of us. But she is such a large disconnect with all three of us now that we don't have existing relationships, really. Like, anyway... um, you deserve that time and you deserve that time unabashedly and you deserve that time with no guilt and you deserve that time. um, You just deserve it. And, And realistically during that time as well, you wouldn't be married. You'd just be discovering you. You could build relationships and you could, you could have relationships, but I wouldn't ask you to commit yourself to anybody but self until you feel very clear and you will know you will know there's a difference between being told who to be and discovering you and some of us do know that at 18 and 19 and some of us know that we're meant to be homemakers and married and i'm not saying that that's wrong i love my life and i know that this was the life that i'm meant to be in this um what is the word carnation that's the word i was gonna in this carnation i know that i know that this is my purpose i know that this all contributes to my greater success i know that my lessons learned will not be the lessons i thought that i would be learning at the end of this lifetime and i know that the identity that i created for myself is um is there but i know that there's more to it than i expected that would contribute i guess so <laughs> i can hear my daughter giggling like cackling out there and we only have like 15 minutes left and i'm not even like to the second part of like the consideration you need to make for yourself but you deserve that. Like, if you think about it, you don't have any of that time at home. Like, if you grow up in great households, which is what we're trying to do right here is to plant these seeds for you, whether you're a parent now or you will be a parent or you'll influence other children, that they'll be able to confidently make decisions on having babies and when those babies are at appropriate ages they'll set them down and say listen your needs are important and at the next level they'll say listen this is how you really discover what those needs are listen at the next level this is how you communicate those needs at the next level you talk about consent and privacy and safety and at the next level you talk about like unverbalized expectations lead to um, resentment okay like you'll, you'll get to that you'll get to this understanding that every person who comes into your life is a huge gift and it doesn't mean that everybody is permanent and it doesn't mean that every person that you hook up with is your soulmate but that person is just there for now and you'll raise such an amazing human being that it will become normal and natural that they'll check in with each other as they grow in their friendships but also in their intimacy and it would be so normal that it'll be a monthly or a seasonal quarterly conversation and we sit down and say hey are you feeling loved? Um, if you're feeling, if you, you're good, okay, can I talk about what I need? And uh, I, can we talk about whether or not we can meet those needs? And we continue these check-ins. And when relationships don't work, we can recognize it so vividly and respectively that we can sit back down with that partner and say, this doesn't feel like us. Yeah, you feel it too? That's great. Yeah, because I, I think I'm ready for kids and I can tell, um, or you, as you said, you still don't think that you want to have kids, maybe not right now. Great! Like, I I wish you all the best. I think it's fantastic that you're going to apply to art school instead. Yes, please keep in touch. I love you so much and you brought so much to my life. Like, it's been amazing. Thank you. And yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Thanks for wishing me luck on finding a partner who is ready to have children as well. I appreciate that. Like, it sounds batshit fucking crazy that we would be that normal neutral about it, but why not? If your best friend came to you and was like, hey, I'm ready to apply to art school. If you were truly best friends and you had personal development, would you feel abandoned and anxious? and a little bit jealous at first, sure but your good personal development skills would teach you that those those were normal natural emotions to feel and it's just trying to tell you you're going to miss her and then you'd be able to feel that for a second maybe just say oh that's so fantastic i'm going to miss you terribly but i can't wait to see what kind of long distance friendship we're going to have while you do this thing that you need to do for yourself which fucking feels better friends we're not there because we operate from the immediacy of, I don't know how this person could not think about me when making that decision. How selfish. How selfish. What if she goes on to art school and becomes the artist of our generation? How amazing would that be? Not only for you to have that experience, but for you to have that friendship, but for you to have cultivated it. And if not, that you were on the side that made that person feel so guilty they never left. You see these correlations and why they're so important? If we start off as amazing individuals and then we raise amazing individuals, we only replicate that pattern. We only replicate that energy. We only replicate that intention. But if we're out raising children as unhealed human human beings with trauma, we will replicate and give our children trauma and we will parent them unhealed. The difference between having Cole and Olivia are definitely night and day, as most of you may know. Um, as I mean, and I've also kind of relayed here, right? Like Olivia came along when I was with Tony and Tony was my knight in shining armor. Okay. Tony was like the epitome of everything that every relationship had never been that I did not know I could have. And uh, again, in retrospect was f- checked every box that I needed my dad to check that never did. And this is also why I said at the very beginning that I was a terrible stepmom the short end of this conversation is that because I recognized that Tony was my knight in shining armor and he was saving everything for me and he was providing for me and he was making me feel safe and he was helping me grow. All of a sudden, this stingy little girl in me who never got that to begin with did not want to share that with anybody. So um, it did not help, but this is exactly why the universe put Quentin into my life. Quentin is almost identical to who I was as a child. Very creative, very artistic, very emotional, very talkative, um, sometimes loud, very boisterous, such a good time. I could, I mean, I could list forever. Um, and here we sit in, in an existence where those things are told sometimes to him, societally speaking, especially like, hey, whoa, tone it down. But at home, especially with dad, he was accepted and he was loved. And that's so important and so necessary and so appropriate. But to somebody who was unhealed and running on trauma, that rubbed me the wrong way. Subconsciously. I couldn't i couldn't recognize it in the moment. But how dare you be in complete existence of who I was. And when I was that, I was rejected. Not only just not accepted, I was rejected. And now you sit in this place and, and you exist as is. And it's not condemned and by golly your father fully accepts and loves you and tells you that and um validates you and praises you get the fuck out of here did you know that that was even something that could exist because i did not know that i did not know that so uh, um in a unaware mode i would i'm just be a terrible person just be a terrible person take it out on him not be a supportive person. Like I was just, it was like operating at the same levels age wise as he was, it was fucking terrible. So uh, like like I said, we could spend a whole podcast talking about that if necessary, but um, I have thankfully healed from that, like healed myself from who that person was. I have thankfully come to the understanding that, Love is infinite and there is no locked amount that Tony can give me that he can't give Q and that Q can receive and that I can't get and that it's not regenerable or it's not shareable or it's not even something that, um, you know, is inspired by itself. All those kinds of wonderful things. I am absolutely in full acceptance that Tony can love both of us and it will never cap out. I I am so grateful to that full understanding, of course, as well. And that's what changed everything for us was knowing that him loving q was not meaning that he was going to love me less and him being in full acceptance of q was the healing i needed to know that i could have existed in that form and that there was nothing wrong with me to begin with it was just that other people couldn't tolerate how energetic i was it just was not their personality and they didn't want it around them so that's not a me problem that's a them problem especially as a fucking child which i was it's just existing (laughs) and if i was hyperactive uh which whether that's undiagnosed adhd or not or just um trauma from not being recognized and loved in ways that i needed as a child right okay um listen this feels like a lot of like just like Word vomiting my side. I know, like, listen, I'm trying to, like, I I guess I just just dispute this whole thing about being a terrible stepmother. So, this is also about radical acceptance of shadow self. I feel like we're going to need to pause for a second because I just don't think I'm going to be able to wrap this up um, in terms of the second portion of the considerations you want to make when you're having children. So, I think we're going to wrap this up and I'm just going to go ahead and start a whole new podcast. So, (sighs) Stay tuned. Okay. Um, it will be uploaded in one week from today, but um, make sure to set your timers. Make sure that you are set to notification so that when uh, new episodes come out, I'll post them in like the Facebook group if you're already there. But if you're like, oh, Rach, that's way too ancient for me. I'm never there. Then just subscribe on Spotify because it will notify you every time a new episode comes out too. So... For this, if you don't tune in to next week's episode, I'm so grateful you were here. I'm so thankful that you gave me an opportunity and space for some consideration for your mental headspace and awareness and making this literal permanent life decision that you cannot take back um, without some serious repercussions emotionally. <laughs> uh, that, that was it, I guess. Okay. So we'll st- we'll stay tuned for part two and hopefully, hopefully we can continue this conversation and it can prod at the right things that you need to ask yourself what you need okay and if you also struggle bust a little bit with this or some of these hit some really raw nerves make sure to connect link tree in the bottom so that you know um there's plenty of ways that we can do that and we can expand this conversation we can talk about whatever it was that hit for you today uh and then grow move on from that for sure just move on for that so thank you for being here for now and i hope that you will stay tuned for next part two i was gonna say next week but it's typically it's gonna be i mean um realistically, it's 35 seconds from now in my bedroom still. (laughs) All right, thanks for being here. I'll see you shortly. Stay happy, stay healthy, but also wash your hands still. Bye-bye.